0: Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Sentner Geology Podcast, Episode 98, Mount Baker Exotic Terrains. Thank you for listening. Had a great trip. A trip to remember. A trip, an all-timer kind of a trip. Last week, Liz and I drove up to Bellingham, spent the night visiting with family, and then. Hooked up with longtime Forest Service employee Gary Paul, lovingly called Backcountry Gary because he's such a fixture at the live streams over the last couple of years, and longtime University of Washington geology professor Daryl Cowan. So it was just the four of us, Liz and I, Gary and Daryl, and yeah, there's a long video waiting for you, if you're so inclined, combining the scenery of Mount Baker Volcano area, but focusing not really on the volcano, but instead focusing on the exotic terrain bedrock that's incredibly on display in pristine alpine meadows, views for days, you know, unknown area to me, really. I mean, it's embarrassing to say that, but I'd only been up there a couple of times, just on little day hikes. So, so this really was a tremendous experience, and I'll let the video speak for itself. But I do want to cover some of the geology content. I gotta say, some some of these some of these radio episodes have suddenly lost all geology content. I just realized that listening back to the last one that I did with you. It was uh, nothing but behind the scenes, nothing but commenting on the videos, commenting on myself, comment, you know, so I I have strayed significantly from what I was doing in the first 30 or 40 episodes of this podcast series. You know, we're approaching the 100th episode, I guess, but um. You know, I do like some of that commentary, but to have it be nothing but commentary and never talk about the geology, that seems a bit extreme, even for a narcissist like myself. So uh, I do want to get to some of the content in just a second. (laughs) I know I always say that and then I get sidetracked, but I think I only have one preamble for you today, and that is, I don't really know who listens to these audio podcasts. I've said that a number of times. Occasionally I hear from folks here and there, get an email out of the blue, uh, get a, you know, some sort of feedback left on at NickZentner.com where these podcasts are available. I mean, Daryl Cowan is 77 years old and he was all ears on what a podcast was. Like He participates in the live streams, but he was totally unaware of audio podcasts and how to get them. And... So anyway, I mean, I, I realize it's, it's, it's not for everybody and generally people are very very kind with all the feedback the emails the youtube comments and everything else and and generally that that stuff feels good and i don't really reply cuz there's there's too much there to reply to okay that's fine that all feels good and yeah there's some negative stuff too and some of it's constructive and some of it's you know not <laughs> Uh, but that stuff doesn't really stick either. I've, I've wired myself to not really be too bothered when somebody has some nasty stuff to say. But occasionally, a positive comment sticks. So all, that, all the rest of that stuff just kind of flows through me like, like wind through a, a screen window. And I, I enjoy it, but I, I don't dwell on it. But occasionally, there's a, there's a rare comment that surprises me and feels especially good, and I want to share it with you because it represents maybe a small portion of this radio audience, but maybe not, I don't know. Here's the comment left four days ago by somebody called Cool Trails. So Cool Trails, if you're listening to this, thank you. I really liked your brief comment. Here it is. Nick, I learned of your podcast from Pacific Crest Trail through hikers in Goat Rocks Wilderness this week. They love you. L-O-V-E, uppercase. So I had to listen, and now I subscribe. Okay, that that seems like a, you know, nice comment, but why did that one stick? Well, I've been thinking about that. I told Liz about it, and she was like, oh, that's interesting. But I I continue to think about it, and, and here's why I think that one stuck. I think to this point, with these radio episodes, I imagine people chopping wood doing household chores, listening to podcasts, raking leaves, mowing the grass, whatever, doing the dishes, taking a walk in the neighborhood. I mean, that's where I listen to podcasts. And where else do I listen to podcasts, audio podcasts? Yeah, when I'm driving, sometimes. So that's kind of what I had in mind. But this part where I am in somebody's ears on the Pacific Crest Trail, and I don't expect them to listen to all 98 of them, but the fact that you're walking through these magical places, the High Sierra, John Muir Trail, uh, Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington, North Cascades, the fact that you're walking through that country and listening to me, and not only listening to me, but then talking to other through hikers on the Pacific Crest Trail, and say, hey, you got you should listen to this, you know, I'm out of podcasts, what do I do? I don't know. I can imagine you guys are just, uh, I don't know, camping for the night or whatever, or walking together, you got a new podcast for me, I'm out. They say, well, there's this geology guy. So if, if that's a thing, and maybe not just Pacific Crest Trail, but Appalachian Trail, or, or some of these other, you know, long, long, multi-month hikes that I've always kind of been fascinated by, I don't have the makeup personally to do that sort of thing. It's just not in me, but I've always kind of admired you cats. So if you're out there and listening to this, uh, a special hello to you, and thanks again for that comment. That was really meaningful. Okay, as promised, let's get to some geology. I'm back to really thinking carefully about exotic terrains. And I mean I'm back because it's been two years. I did an Alphabet live stream series on YouTube called Exotic Terrains A to Z back in 2020. It was mostly fall, but I'm going to just refer to it as two winters ago. And there was a lot of information there, some of which I had forgotten. And I knew that I was going to be hiking with Daryl and Gary this last week. And so I'm re-watching some of those episodes called the San Juan Islands, exotic terrain, whatever letter that was, and then the Cascade Foothills terrains, and then, uh, you know, on and on and on. So I'm taking notes. I'm watching my, my own backyard stuff. I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the upcoming Baja BC A to Z live stream series on YouTube coming this November. But I'm also re-watching those exotic terrain sessions as I prepare for hooking up with geologists in the field. It's working. I'm liking it. And quite often, I'm a little fresher on some of those names and concepts than the geologists that I'm visiting within the field, even though it's, they've been pub- publishing on it for years. So I'm careful not to like upstage them. I'm careful not to correct them on camera. I'm 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 careful with a lot of stuff when I edit the video. But the main message today with this radio episode is that, in one of the most beautiful places I think I've ever been. The Yellow Aster Butte Trail, just north of Mount Baker Volcano. If you're looking for a trail. I know it's popular, especially in the fall with, you know, colors and everything, but man, it is prime time right now. I'm recording this on Monday, August 29th, 2022, and I'm talking about the previous week where the four of us were hiking. I mean, Daryl's 77, Gary's 66, I'm 60, what am I? I'm 60, Liz is 56, none of us are spring chickens. Liz is in great shape, Gary's in great shape, but the point is, if you have moderate abilities and you can handle a couple thousand feet of elevation gain, just on a day hike, I mean, we stayed in Gary's condo in Glacier, for goodness sake, so it's not like we were roughing it, but man, that was quite a day, and yes, I recorded, you know, quite a bit of it, and um, yes, please go to that video if you want to see And experience that. I'm particularly fond of of that one. And the previous one with that format as well, North Cascades Highway with Bob Miller and Stacia Gordon, uh, that's got more than 30,000 views now. So, for whatever reason, that one has really taken off and has been shared by a lot of people. Also, nice scenery, but you know, we're right along the highway, we're looking at road cuts. This one's different. Okay, boy, get to the content. That's what you said you were going to do, get to the content. Exotic Terrain names like Easton Metamorphic Suite or Shuxan Greenshift,
1: Shuxon Thrust, Bell Pass Melange, Chilliwack Terrain, Nooksack Terrain, Yellow
0: Aster, Nice. All of that stuff is essentially in a relatively small area. At one point in the video, I I think I I said, I can't hold it. Daryl was talking, and when he stopped to take a breath, I said, I can't hold it. Like, what have we taken? Like 13 steps on this trail? We've already seen like four terrains? Now, the terrains aren't that small, but the point is you have a combination of amazing exposure of these exotic terrain units, which I'll talk more about in a second. Combined with these stunning views, these stunning alpine views, where you can look into the high country of the North Cascades, man. Uh, I'm going to start repeating myself now and sound a little bit too uh, over the top, I suppose. But I, I just—it was—it was, it was a, a great experience, and I'm trying to verbalize why it was such a great experience personally. Yeah, let me do that, and then give you a little bit of detail about each terrain. The reason I think it was so powerful for me personally and maybe for somebody who's watched a bunch of those exotic terrain series uh, episodes from two years ago and then goes on this trail. It's one thing to do some reading, scientific papers. It's another one to kind of make your own little sketches and your cartoons and mapping map and all that kind of cutesy stuff I was doing in the backyard two years ago. It's satisfying to take a bunch of detail and somehow package it in a new way and make it digestible for lots and lots of people. I'm talking about the videos now, the live stream videos. It's a format that worked. And I like it. I'll do more of it this winter. But it's something else to bang on it with a rock hammer, take seven steps, bang on something else, be totally confused if I was out there by myself, I'd have no idea what I'm talking about. And I might have a field guide or I might have a detailed map of the Yellow Aster Butte Trail, for instance, but I I would still be second-guessing myself. But at my fingertips were two gentlemen who have spent their lives acquiring deep knowledge, and it was all at the tip of their tongue. It was all there. Yeah, captured bunch of it on video, but talking to Daryl, and I was like, you know, what do we got here? Oh, yeah, and he's just, he's excited, man. He's 77 years old. He's seen about everything in the Northwest. He's like, I can't, first of all, Daryl's like, I can't even believe I'm up here. Like, I'm proud of myself at 77 for hiking 2,000 feet up, and it was a total of eight miles out and back, four out and four back. But we get to the first kind of obvious exposure after a bunch of wildflowers and everything else, you know. And we're up high, and we're looking at this melange. And Daryl's one of the leading experts on melanges. A melange is a mixture of different kinds of bedrock, all kind of thrown in a blender and put there together. And, and it was a combination of interpretation and also kind of pointing out some obvious things. Darrow is quick to point out that melange is maybe mistakenly always connected with a subduction zone. Like if you see a melange, you think of an accretionary wedge or a place where an ocean plate is diving beneath another one, a subduction zone in other words, and you have these scraps of different kinds of rocks that are all scraped off of the downgoing oceanic plate and acquired and sheared and slivers of this and slivers of that. Think the Olympic Peninsula. Think the Franciscan complex in the coast of California. By the way, Darrell did his PhD on the Franciscan. By the way, Daryl has worked with all sorts of melanges in other parts of the world. So he was pointing out that you don't always have to be at the edge of an ocean in a subduction zone to have a melange. And the melange we were looking at, known as the Bell Pass melange, had blocks of ultramafic rock, had blocks of limestone that had these crazy fossils that talked about a distant source, had blocks of gneiss that pretend perhaps were from other continents. Not exaggerating now. And it's all right there. It's all right there. And Daryl says this does not have to be You know, at the time it seemed like a dumb question, and I'm happy to leave dumb questions in the videos. You know? I want it to be as true to the conversations as possible, and I'm never I'm never too shy about asking questions that are kind of ridiculous. Some of them work, some of them don't. At the time, as soon as I asked it and I started hearing his answer, I thought it was a dumb question, but now I'm starting to think it was an important question. My question was I think I got this on camera and kept it in the video. Daryl, this is Melange, the Bell Pass Melange, with all these different blocks of ultramafics and Limestones and nices and everything else. And we're looking at it, and we're banging on it, and, and we're looking at kind of a serpentinized matrix. And I said, where is this, this happening? Where is all this slicing and flowing and... There was even a big amphibolite block that was beautiful, which is old metamorphic, sorry, that was old basalt on the ocean floor, presumably, that got metamorphosed, I guess, in the subduction zone. But I said, so where are we? Are they out in the ocean with this subduction complex? And Daryl says, well, not necessarily. Not all melanges have to be out there in a subduction zone, in an oceanic setting, in other words. Okay, I'm pausing because I'm starting to wonder. Dara was talking about that Melange, that Bell Pass Melange up there at Yellow Aster Butte, being the actual thrust fault
1: on land known as the
0: Shuxan Thrust. So a beautiful mountain nearby known as Mount Shuxan is completely made up of blue schist and green schist. And that is stuff from a subduction zone. So the part where I thought the question was kind of dumb is that, isn't it obvious? we got a nearby mountain called, made out of uh, shucks and blue schist and green schist. and here's this melange next door that's made out of blocks of different stuff. So isn't everything saying subduction of an oceanic scene that now is up at 6,000 feet or whatever it was in northern Washington? Daryl says, "Well, no, I think I think this melange is the actual Shucksen Thrust Fault. That you're 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 breaking these scraps, you're 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 you're, uh, you're creating this mixture of different kinds of rocks. On the east arm of Shucksen, the Shucksen Arm, in other words, kind of this this orangish, reddish kind of complicated, weird zone that you can see from a mile away." And then it's racing through this Yellow Aster Trail as well. Daryl's talking about, you know, Peter Misch, who did incredible amounts of work mentoring graduate students in the 1950s and 60s at the University of Washington. I'm starting to get confused now, but I'm pretty sure Daryl was, was confident that was not a subduction zone melange, the Bell Pass melange, but instead it was uh, the thrust vault itself, the imbricate zone, as he called it. And you're like, who cares? What's the difference? Well, that's a pretty substantial
1: difference, right?
0: If the whole reason to look at a bunch of detailed rocks is not to make a collection in your front yard, but to actually tell some kind of story, that's what I'm in it for. Are we hiking through an oceanic subduction zone or are we hiking through a thrust fault where two pizza boxes are shoving one past another. Now I'm using my pet names from two years ago in the backyard where I had at the San Juan Islands a, theories, a series of naps. I said theories of naps. Whoa. A series of naps. Structure, this is structural geology now. You have blocks of crust that are relatively thin. Think pizza, pizza box, like a frozen pizza and take another frozen pizza, in other words, another nap, N-A-P-P-E, compress those two pizza boxes, you're going to shove one up on top of another. You're going to, you know, can you imagine that the angle of the, so the pizza boxes aren't vertical, they're not horizontal, they have a low angle to them, you're holding them in your kitchen, one pizza box on top of another. Hell, you can do four of them if you want. And then can you imagine shoving one pizza box, box up the back of the next one? And the one on top of that rides up the back of the, the one below it. The boundary between each of those pizza boxes is a thrust fault. And that is the main story in the San Juan Islands. Good Lord, why am I in the San Juan Islands? It's the same ship, man. Pardon my French, Patrick. Sorry. Who's the expert on the San Juan Islands? Daryl Cowan. Daryl Cowan at sea level. Well, now we got Daryl Cowan at 6,000 feet looking at, the same pizza boxes. More or less. I guess he and maybe others are not totally convinced that there's beautiful correlation between the pizza boxes of the San Juan Islands and the pizza boxes of the Mount Baker exotic terrain area, but nonetheless, the general geometry is the same. So if I continue with the other exotic terrains that we looked at on this trail, that are featured in the video.
1: Pausing because I'm trying to remember a couple of the, a couple of the details. <laughs> Whoops. You'll, you'll see these pizza
0: boxes. So we didn't look carefully in detail at the shucks and thrust, but if you watch the videos regularly, last month I was with Jamie McDonald and Peter Davis, near Easton, Washington, looking at the same stuff. That's the type locality. It's called the Eastern Met- Easton Metamorphic Suite, named after the little town of Easton. Well, it's the same stuff as the Shuxon ba- Jazz. So my point is, in the Mount Baker video, I didn't have any detailed look at the blue shist and green shist. We weren't going to climb Shuxon, for goodness sake. By the way, I had no idea that Mount Shuxon and Mount Baker were so close to each other. Just the proximity blew my mind. And looking back, you know, I would talk about Mount Shuxin a lot in that exotic terrain series. I I was confused why everybody knew Mount Shuxin. I imagine it as some lonely outpost in the North Cascades. Well, hell, it's right on the Mount Baker Highway. You can see it as you're climbing up to the ski lodge at Mount Baker. And yeah, Mount Shuxon with that blue schist and green schist dominated the scene, in addition, of course, to Mount Baker Volcano. Okay, so the pizza boxes on the hike are
1: Shuxon Blue Schist, green schist, Chilliwack Exotic Terrain,
0: which I think is. That's what I'm pausing on. In the video, there was a little bit of stuff that. Daryl thought was Chilliwack, and it was volcanic, so the general idea is it's some sort of volcanic island arc out in the Pacific somewhere. I don't remember the age, sorry. Might be Stacania, might be uh, Quinella, I forget. Something else, probably. That's another pizza box that's been shoved up on top of somebody else. Okay, now I'm really pausing because I forget the order. I never did get that visual. Daryl got confused a couple times as he was talking, mostly with Gary. Gary, So, okay, I'll finish. The Nooksack terrain is another one. Okay, I can't remember the details from two years ago, and I meant to look that up before sitting down with you. That's my bad, sorry. But these terrains which are exposed on both sides of the border by the way it's not we were in extreme northern washington we could see at the end of our hike we were having lunch and looking at the canadian border we could see some peaks that were in canada on the on, to the north of the canadian border man crazy country beautiful country but i think what i what i want to add
1: here is that It's
0: one thing to have exotic terrains and just say they're out from the water somewhere. But here's the part that I think was, I was a little fresher than Daryl. Or if I wasn't fresher than Daryl, then he was just not as willing to go where I wanted to go. Some with the Yellow Aster Nice, which is one of the featured units up there, obviously, it's called the Yellow Aster Butte, Yellow, Yellow Aster Butte, Yellow... Aster Meadow, Yellow Aster Trail. You get it, Yellow Aster. I almost called the video Yellow Aster, but I figured Mount Baker would be a much better known landmark. There's a group of geologists, research people at Western Washington University who have done some detailed work on the Yellow Aster gneiss. Where do you find it? On the freaking trail that we were on last week. Man, what a, what a hike. They have found some detail, geochemical detail, that's all I know, zircons, etc., that don't match North America and don't really match out in the ocean. Uh, That group and maybe a couple other groups are thinking that that yellow gneiss is from Northern Europe. And then it's a question of how you're going to get it from Northern Europe into the Pacific Northwest. And where were the continents on the planet at that time? You can say they came through the Arctic, but the Arctic is, is, you know, that's a relative term, of course, because we're talking more than 100 million years ago when we're bringing this thing
1: in. But
0: Daryl had names, Daryl had dates, Daryl had everything at age 77 in his head and we did dwell on the fact that that yellow aster gneiss is clearly the oldest bedrock in the Pacific Northwest rivaled only by the belt supergroup and that's you know way over in Idaho and Montana a little bit of western a little bit of eastern Washington but in the Cascades in the Pacific Northwest with these exotic terrains this this is by far the oldest and therefore has an incredibly long history of course it's old and then, yes, I keep pushing the idea of how much of this stuff has been traveled north. Well, hell, in this case, it's how much has the yellow aster nice traveled south, or whatever, but you know we got to get the stuff from Europe if that's true, if that's a thing. So if you're a little frustrated here by not getting the precise messages, I'm sorry, doing this off the top of my head, and I did not do my homework for this episode but. I'm hoping at least that you get the impression that there are some absolutely wild exotic terrain stories, probably more exotic, more, more, more exotic and therefore more wild than other exotic terrains, simply because the old nature, the mangled nature, and the still mysterious nature of some of the structural relations between these units. And you're like, well, why don't you, why would you just go there? Why can't you see those same rocks? If these are such major exotic terrains and they make up such a big part of the Pacific Northwest, why don't you go to other trails to look? Because you can't find it anywhere else. One of the key concepts of this whole fruitcake, this whole exotic terrain fruitcake, is that most of the shit is buried. Boy, I'm foul-mouthed today. This is a, an evening podcast. Maybe I should go back to my early morning podcast where I'm not as colorful. I apologize. Maybe there's some sort of algorithm that will stamp explicit on this one. I don't know. I'll see. I'll see if they do. Some computer somewhere. Here's uh, two bad words. The idea is that almost almost all these exotic terrains have these wild stories but they are not accessible. They're mostly buried by younger lava. I mean remember we are in the Cascades. Mount but Mount Baker volcano is right there and has been erupting regularly uh, for at least 43,000 years. Lahars, andesite flows, dacite supervolcano calderas, Colshan, etc. Colshan, etc. But the Mount Baker area is unusual in that we're in the Cascade Volcanic Arc, and yet there's not this crazy thick pile of Cascade
1: deposits.
0: Like if you go south, if you go to Rainier or St. Helens or down into Oregon, you want to go to Hood or wherever, there's just this incredible pile of stuff that came out of that cone Or, if you want to go back a little further, came out of other cones, and the cones have been eroded away, a concept I call ghost volcanoes. Well, that's not the case in the North Cascades, around Glacier Peak and around Mount Baker, because there's been tremendous uplift in general due to clockwise rotation of the Pacific Northwest crust rotating into a stable Canada, and therefore There's a space problem, and so there's this uplift engine that continues to lift that fruitcake. And if you lift the fruitcake, you keep eroding a bunch of the volcanic cover. So the setting is unusual as well. We're not going to the bottom of some canyon to look at these exotic terrains. We're hiking up to the roof of the world to look at the oldest stuff in the scene. Wow. Well, I don't know what I can do for you, man. If that, if that didn't motivate you to go look at this video, then, then you're, you're just a busy person. Or you're hiking <laughs> for the next two months on the Pacific Crest Trail and you're not exactly able to sit down and watch an almost two-hour-long video. i got to cut these videos back. I, I just can't do it. This is my second almost two-hour-long video. But, as I mentioned, the last two-hour video is is racking up record views, so I guess it's working for people. Maybe people don't sit and watch a feature-length movie all in one sitting. I understand that, but, boy, it really works. So pleased. Well, there, you got more geology this time. Hope that worked for you. Or at least got you rust, uh, you know, bro- uh, kind of dusted off the rust. What? Try that again. Or at least if you were familiar with some of those exotic terrain names from earlier episodes, like me, maybe you're starting to freshen those concepts up in your mind. And that's crucial for us, if you want to continue with me. Because, yes, yeah, starting in mid-November and running through mid-February, I'll be doing 26 new live streams, looking at something called Baja BC. And, yes, to talk about Baja BC, we have to talk about a bunch of these exotic terrains. And that will be our focus. At the 32-minute mark, I say, thank you, dear
1: listener, for tuning in today. I love you. And goodbye.